Hello and welcome to the Midlife Film Catch-Up, a podcast where we catch up on films that we've never seen before in our lives. I'm Sam Turner and this is Chris Jenkins, my uh, partner in crime. I mean, yeah. Introduce yeah. yourself, maybe? Yeah, my name is Chris Jenkins. I mean, we've never committed any crimes, just to clear the decks. And just one, one fact about yourself? Wow. Well, you're really throwing me off here, Sam. One fact about myself is um, occasionally if I eat shrimp or uh, tomato, I get an itchy tongue. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what what causes it? What what it is about those two things? Not 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 much of a clue on that one. I think it might be an allergy. But I don't know any relationship between shrimp and tomatoes. Call me naive. I mean, not not spoken of. No, I mean, I wouldn't call you naive for that one. Uh, each week we watch a film that is new to us, starting from the year we were born, and we're running through chronologically to the present day. Before the recording, neither of us know we what each of us think of the film and we're here episode seven we arrive at the year 1989 after a, a week's sojourn there was no podcast yeah. last week sojourn that's good that's a um, good one but could you maybe just give us your reflections who've had a week off what are your reflections on uh, on cinema reflections on cinema it's a medium. People attend theatres. That's what they used to call them, where they watch things on a screen. No, the- they, can have, they can have snacks. Snacks. Pardon? Just stop. Just stop you there. Theatres. That's different because that's live. That's live mm. action. What they call live action. Yeah, but okay, movie theatres. They might call them over gotcha. the pond. Over the pond reflections this week. Uh, I mean, the thing is, every week we do this podcast and I've always watched a few other films during the Mm. week that I've really enjoyed and wanted to mention, but I've refrained from mentioning any of them because that would be a massive tangent. But That's interesting. Yeah, like sometimes we watch films that are much better than the films we're talking about, but I just, I don't mention them really. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking exactly the same thing this morning, but I think maybe we'll um, break that... um unspoken rule this week okay well yeah it could be a short thing couldn't it so i mean a few weeks ago i watched a brilliant film called tony erdman a german film have you seen that i have yeah i saw it at the cinema the theater or the theater as we seem to be calling it (laughs) yeah and i absolutely love that and a film that i wanted to dislike because of all the hype and because it seemed like film festival bait or careerist bullshit as Vincent Gallo calls it. A film that I wanted to dislike was After Sun, but I absolutely loved it. Fantastic film, yeah. Yeah. Unfor- you know, unfortunately for them, I loved it. And did, what, uh, So did yeah. Gallo call that specific film Careerist Bullshit? No, that's just um, when he was doing the rounds for his interviews for, I think, the film The Brown Bunny, he, he just slagged off a lot of other directors and... He said the work of Paul Thomas Anderson was careerist bullshit, <laughs> and um, I, it's it's a it's a phrase that I say daily, weekly if not daily. I call something careerist bullshit. 
Right, okay. Well, this week we'll find out if Chris thinks the film Mystery Train is careerist bullshit, as that's our film of the week. <laughs> I said that like, there'd be a little... <laughs> be good to have a little sting there, wouldn't it? What's the um, sting? When someone like a busts little in jing- and a... Like a jingle. When someone jing- busts in and arrests us. <laughs> You're talking about crimes, you could talk about stings. What do you know about me? What do you know about me? So, it's a jingle. Right. A, j- a jingle, yeah, like a little song about that says film of the week in it, but I don't think we should do that Yeah, I don't think we should run before we can walk with the medium. No, I mean, you might want to get the, that fella from the darkness to write a jingle. Is that what he does these days? Just Justin Hawkins. Hawkins or Taylor? Toy Taylor or Hawkins? Who's it's Justin Hawkins, Taylor? but it's not Screaming Jay Hawkins, who is in this film, Mystery Train. Yeah, keep it on track. Keep the good. train on track. Brilliant. This is really good. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> so Mystery Train is a 1989 film by the director Jim Jarmusch. Um, it comprises of three separate stories the titles of which I haven't got to hand. Have you got those, Chris? Uh, Give me two minutes and I will. The first story, Far From Yokohama, I believe is the title of that one, is about about a a Japanese couple who arrive in Memphis, have a little look around and then spend the night in a, um, I'm going to call it a flea bag motel. The second story is called... You've still not got the titles there. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, first one. I mean, it should tell me, shouldn't it? On the old... My source is uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, first one, you've said it. Second one is called A Ghost. A Ghost, which is about an Italian woman. Again, she arrives in Memphis. Um, she meets a person in a diner who tell talk, tells her a tale of the ghost of Elvis. And then she spends the night in the same room as a another woman who has recently split up with her husband. And then the third story And she it, sees do you wanna is that a spoiler if I say what she sees in the room? No, go on, what does she see in the room? Yeah, she sees the ghost of Elvis. Mm-hmm. And then the third story is called I know this one, Lost in yeah. Space. Yeah. Uh, and it is Joe Strummer as um, a man nicknamed Elvis. Um, he's um, just split up with the aforementioned woman in the hotel. And he's in a bad way. He's having a drink with Steve Buscemi and some other dudes. And um, they end up getting themselves into a bit of bother before st- spending the night in the same hotel. Yeah, that, I think that was your best synopsis yet. Wow, okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. No worries. Quick thoughts. I mean, we haven't done this podcast for a week, so I'm a bit off with the format of how we do everything, so apologies if I'm a bit rusty. Um, what about this? I've thought of a new hmm. um, format point um, to replace quick thoughts. Oh, God. Okay, go on. Would It's called... 
would you recommend this film to Michael Owen? <laughs> the footballer. Yeah, because famously Michael Owen's only seen four films. Wait a second. Okay, what were the four films? That he's seen? Oh, I don't know. I don't know uh, that. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a great format, but that should come at the end. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Oh, you you disagree? Go on. Yeah, because I, th- I think it's pretty similar to Quick Thoughts. Okay, you go first then. Would you recommend this film to Michael Owen? Yes. Me too. Um, that's that being said, there are things that I didn't like about this film. I I I I kind of disliked this film. <laughs> Sorry to say. Sam. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. not. So the Michael Owen thing doesn't doesn't really work, does it? Why? So why would you recommend it to Michael Owen if you didn't like it? Because he seems like a really boring person, and I'm and and uh, sorry for anyone listening, but I'm not I'm not really into football. I mean, it's right, not okay. to say, not to say footballers are bad people. I, They're I really, obviously not. I'm more using Michael Owen as a. Uh, Every man who, you know, he might, he's not seen many films. He wants to see a lot of films. So is this a film that we'd recommend right. to this, to this every man character? I mean, Michael Owen is not an every man, is he? I mean, he's like, he's like barely functioning adult, but that happens to play football. Retired. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- happens to play football. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't even put him. You couldn't even trust him to like pick something up from the shop, could you? Um, if it, if it involves social interaction. Yeah. So you're. So if you were to recommend a film to Michael Owen, it'd be a film that you dislike. Yeah, or a very simple film. Okay. So you're saying this is a very simple film? No, I'd recommend this because it's a film that I dislike. And the film I would recommend to Michael Owen would be uh, maybe that one, The Lawmower, uh, not The Lawmower Man. Straight where it sits Story. On, yeah, Straight Story. It's just a straight story, isn't it? By David Lynch. Yeah, fantastic film. Yeah, Yeah, the only David Lynch film that you like. Yeah, 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 and th- thinking about this film made me think a bit about David Lynch, actually. Okay, it made, it made me think about this hipsterdom, hipster hipsterism. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say this film is definitely within hipsterdom. I completely disagree that David Lynch is part of that scene, um, but I think it's something that Jarmusch acknowledges you know i think he he knows he knows his films are a bit about beatniks and hipsters um and you know one of the films that i really liked it's called stranger than paradise it's about it's about three beatniks and uh okay know. so so yeah. you're not you're not you're not writing off jamush you're not you're not you've not got a blanket um dislike of jamush output no, no, definitely not. I just think there's good jar jar moosh and there's bad jar moosh. Um and that's the way I that's 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 how I describe it. 
I think maybe uh, so. Two two Jarmusch films that I liked are called Broken Flowers and Patterson. But I also think that this is maybe a good introduction to the director. So you could call this a Jarmusch Bush. Right. What's what's Bush mean? No, because you get a a moosh bush, a moose, a moose. Oh, boosh. I see. Okay, yeah, yeah, a jar moosh bush. Yeah, to keep that in there. Don't I just, cut I, I just thought of that then. Did you? Yeah, yeah. You, you seemed very pleased with it for someone well, who'd only just thought of it. I, 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 yeah, I felt like that was planned. No, it wasn't. Honestly. Okay. Um, so hipsterdom. Uh, yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about hipsterdom. Okay, shoot. <laughs> you look pained. No, I've just, I've just, I've had a week off. I've started eating loads of cereal, special, <laughs> special K, um, and crunchy nut, crunchy nut cornflakes. Because I was in Edinburgh when we recorded the last podcast, and my mum got, she turned me on to something called cereal, and. Um, this last week, I've been eating loads of it with whole milk, and I've been having it before I go to bed. So the milk is obviously playing havoc with my sinuses, and the sugar is playing havoc with my mind. And I don't know what. And I'm in. A, I'm in a really hot room. I'm in the front bedroom. The sun is is, is pouring in. Mm-hmm. The, the windows are shut for optimum sound quality. So I'm very hot. And yeah, it's just been a long week. So you don't so, feel in the, in the right frame of mind to um, unpack hipsterdom. I, I I will let I'm up for unpacking hipsterdom. I just say that Jim Jam Moosh does not make films for people with a 17 month old baby living in South Liverpool. And uh, who does? Who does? Terence Davies. Does. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a time and a place in your life where you're into Jarmouche, I'd say. And you've gone past it. I'm just is, not. This is gold for a mid a film a podcast about midlife. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I'm not. I haven't say I've gone past it. I say I'm not there right now. Right. Like I used to be freewheeling a little bit countercultural you might say a bit of a bon viveur mm. um and and a free spirit and uh some things conspire as you get to 38 40 to not keep you as free spirited as before and you mm-hmm. know the films of jar jarmouche are definitely freewheeling yeah absolutely Hips, hips, hipsterdom. Hips. Uh, yeah, go on. So I, I would categorise hipsterdom. I've got a complicated relationship to hipsterdom. I think because yeah, it's a it's a pejorative term, isn't it, hipster? Mm-hmm. And I think it points to vacuous style over substance. Yeah. However, I think that I'm a. I think that art is and coffee is a good thing and I'm not a, mm. I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed to say it I think that new balance make good footwear. trainers 
and I think that uh, Vampire Weekend make uh, nice records. Okay, you've 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 named three things that you like about it. Yes. What do you, yeah. What What do you think about Ghetto Golf in Liverpool City Centre? I would probably challenge that as a as a pillar of hipsterdom. What do you think of Pizza Punks on Bowl Street? Um, I, I think you're talking about co-op. Co- um, co op, what's the word? Co culture, co opting. I mean, yeah, yeah, in a sense, yeah. I mean, but yeah, which is different to hipsterdom, I think. Yeah, yeah, true. So, so with this film, I think that there's um, there's some incredible shots. There's some interesting explorations of America, the American aesthetic. I think there's some great characters in the film. But I think that it ultimately lacks a kind of good story or yeah. Um just a little bit of uh, the only word I can think of is is substance. Yeah, I was thinking that was that was on the tip of my tongue, substance. Yeah, it kind of Lacks story and, um, it, I mean, it's all about, you know, music, isn't it? Jarmusch loves music and plays music and musicians it in his films. And, um, you know, this film they visited in Memphis about talking a lot about Elvis, Carl Perkins, um, is it Sun Records? The recording Sun studio, studios. Sun Studios, yeah. Sun Studios, and it's kind of like watching a great marriage between amazing, lovely, beautiful visuals and um, and music, and and as we say, hipsters be, being on screen. So it's kind of like enjoyable in a, in a sense, but mm. there wasn't enough story to propel this. And, yeah. and I, I don't know if so. At that time, they had so there were three stories in the film, and they're all all the characters never meet each other from the three stories, but they're linked by hearing a gunshot, um, and one couple hear the other couple having sex in the other room, so they're kind of linked in some ways. Um, I don't know if that was a fresh new thing in nineteen eighty nine. I mean, it, surely it couldn't be. There's been you know, millions of films, so well, that I've, can't be a new thing. I've seen it described as an anthology film. Do right. You, what? Two questions here. What's your thoughts about anthology films, and do you think this is an anthology film? I'm not sure. I mean, you've got portmanteau films. Um, a portmanteau. Well, a portmanteau. A portmanteau word is a word that combines two existing words and make creates a new word out of them by combining them. Chillax. Chillax would be one of them. And I've heard things described as portmanteau films. I think it's where you have a number of different stories within one film. Uh, maybe they climax in something that 
they they come together or in, they're linked in some way. So I don't know what anthology. Maybe it's more of a musical term. Well, no, I think an anthology. Have you seen the ballad of Buster Scruggs on yeah, Netflix? Yeah, yeah, So that's yeah. an anthology film. Yeah, number of different stories. Yeah, so this is a number of different stories. Yeah. Mystery Train's a number of different stories, but they also converge in a way as well, don't they? So I don't know if it, strictly speaking, is an anthology film, but I think you've got to adjust your expectations when you're watching an anthology film rather than a you know a linear narrative film, haven't you? It's a different. It's a different experience. It's a different it is. medium. It is, but. I don't think you necessarily have to adjust your expectations because anthology films, montage films can be just as, if not more, gripping than other films. Did you enjoy? I, I don't think. I don't think that's why this film wasn't gripping. Right. Okay. okay. I, I, I found the sort of um, the dialogue was wry. Right. Sorry, no. Sorry, <laughs> listeners, you can't see me rubbing my fingers when I say the word "rye," but I'm I'm rubbing my fingers. The and what does that What does that mean? <laughs> the character. I don't know. The character "rye" is a kind of like slightly smiling humour, isn't it? A smile from the corner of the mouth. Okay, when someone yeah. someone says something that doesn't make you laugh, but maybe a, a smile in the corner of the mouth. Mm-hmm. So wry characters and dialogue, but without any sort of dialogue that really lands and gets mm-hmm. you. Not that I'm wanting, not that I'm want, wanting Anchorman or The Wedding Crashers or uh, that sort of film. But I do. yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, it's not. It's 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 um quite unengaging what they say a lot of the time it's it's not that like meaty and interesting mm. it's, yeah there's like i remember this this thing's always stuck in my head where my friend ash lived with this person and she said oh i want to watch a film that's set in paris and it's black and white and it's raining mm. and it's like well wow. that, that's not a that's that's completely that's complete bull bull hockey so, so who who said that? Um, I'm not going to n- name names. You you, you did say a name before. Oh yeah, it's someone that my friend Ash lived with. Yeah, there's the I, t- I mentioned when we chose this film. I mentioned that um, poster of it in um, Labato, and I, it's it's a film that it's almost you can see it's been it's a film that it's cool to like and a, a film that's cool to reference and a. Uh, a film where you say, "Yeah, love, love that." Yeah. The, the, so the first Jim Jamoosh film, I don't know if it's the first one. I think I saw Permanent Vacation before I saw this, but there's a film called Only Lovers Left Alive. Terrible. And it got re- yeah, it, it got rave reviews yeah. at the time, and it's absolutely yeah. dreadful. It's rubbish. It's all the all the cliches of cool. It's like, yeah, man, let's have vampires, and the, maybe they hang out in our. Is it Algeria or Morocco? Uh, one of those two. Yeah, um, and and they should wear sunglasses, man, and they should play guitars. Yeah, they play yeah. guitars and they're rock stars, but they're vampires. 
Exactly. Like, Jesus Christ. No, no, uh, and, he, and even if even if he was doing that in an ironic way, it's it's still it wasn't good. No, I mean the the Jarmusch films I like are Stranger Than Paradise, um, which is great, Down by Law, and Broken Flowers, which you mm. mentioned. But then the ones I was going to mention that I don't like, Only Lovers Left Alive, mm-hmm. this. And a dead dead man a film okay. I saw called Dead Man, which was a bit more earnest actually, but still it wasn't that engage, engaging really. Patterson's quite earnest. It's about a bus driver in, I think it's a place called Patterson in New Jersey, and it's got um, Adam Driver in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's good. Yeah, it's a, he's, that's a seal of a, a seal of quality isn't it for a film Adam definitely definitely um so our experience of hipsterdom mm. i mean I, I there's someone who is your is there a washing machine on in the background no uh hang on yeah there is hang on let me just shut the door and see if that makes a difference it's all right Listeners, uh, Sam is just shutting the door because there's a washing machine or perhaps a tumble dryer. Um, Yeah, it is. And I think just we'll just let the listeners know about it. There is a washing machine on. We're only human. We're not. We're not, you know. Mark Maron. Joe Rogan's Mark Maron's. Yeah, that's it. Uh, there's a washing machine on. So our experience of hipsterdom is I want to mention someone from our past, but I shouldn't because they might be listening. Mm. So I can't say I can't say anything more on that subject. <laughs> it really pains me. Really no, you can, you can, pains me you can... to not talk about to not talk about them with you. Can you not but, you, talk you know in more I mean. in more sort of? vague terms I mean if I even if I say the minimum of what they did in Liverpool people will know and and another friend of ours had a a bigger problem with him than we did after a sort of camping trip Who, who's that well if I get into any more specifics it's a friend of our a friend of a friend of ours who's well I'm not you don't have to cut it out because I'm not going to say any more but you know, you get these. This I remember this character that we knew. He he just. I remember one day he said to me, "Nah, I'm going to sound really bitter if I say that." He was just like, "Yeah, I'm writing stuff. I'm I'm writing, I'm writing a comedy. We're writing. A, I'm writing a comedy series with my writing partner. Up all night writing. And it's like that's not what, that's not what you do. You 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 work in." marketing you know and you're not you're not going to relate to me on that on that comedy aspect like you know i was i was doing gigs three three or four times a week at that point actually doing comedy and just yeah wound me up so um so do you think there's any redeeming features to um hipsterdom yeah, I do. 
I do like um, someone I like, Terence McKenna. He said, "Culture is not your friend," and I and I think there is big value in dropping out of society and not following trends and trying to have trying to live without money in a way if you've got the privilege of being able to do that there is a there is a value in that and in going your own way the problem is that when some people just see the aesthetics of that and and mimic it mm-hmm. the clothing the music you know the but, the, vamp- um, the vampires the algerian vampires yeah exactly when they start They're mimicking the it they They're are the problem, problem. But I loved his, in that film, um, Stranger Than Paradise, it had, out of the three main characters, two of them, one of them was called John Lurie, and he's a musician. He did the music for this film. Yeah, he does a lot of the music for Jarmusch's films. He's a jazz musician, but he also acted in that film, and he was great in it. And the other main actor was, I don't know if you remember, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, when they take the red car to the car park attendants and the car park attendants drive it. They say, yeah, we'll look after it. And they absolutely rag it and take the car around, driving it around really fast. Do you remember that? I, I remember the scene, but I don't remember the, the actor. Well, one of one of, one of of those bit part actors is a main part in Stranger Than Paradise and he's brilliant in it. He's just, they're just comedic even without doing anything. Mm-hmm. Which was, uh, you got a sense of that in the Japanese characters in this film. They were good clowns, but um, I didn't get much else from the other characters. I didn't get much from Joe Strummer. I thought he was pretty bad in this. Terrible. Except for when, terrible, even. Except for when he was getting angry at the end, and that seemed to be a bit more authentic. But yeah, I think terrible. there was like there was a sort of um, frailty to Strummer. I think, I think his like, physicality yeah. was quite good, but the way that it the lines were like, they were, they were too American, the way that the, his dialogue was written, I think, and it was really, yeah, it really jarred. Yeah, definitely. He's kind of, yeah, he was kind of a, he was, <laughs> he was kind of a bit miscast and the dialogue wasn't that good and he wasn't that good at acting. But yeah, he, well, he did look quite frail and skinny, skinny mm. kind of guy, really. Vun- vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, it must, what, what year did Joe Strummer die? It was in the 90s, wasn't it? In the um, late 90s, I think. Late 90s. Um, so. But they say about this film, it was he had these ideas for characters based on people he knew, and he wrote the film around them. Right. Um, I, I, um, I very much enjoyed watching Screaming Jay Hawkins as the uh, hotel manager. Yeah, I mean, he was brilliant, and and he was the um, redeeming thing about this whole film. Yeah, it was his every scene he was in, he was great. Let's do. Let's do the. Th- uh, three things that we enjoyed. Yeah, definitely. Well, do you want to? Do you need to tell people about Screaming Jay Hawkins? Uh, so, Screaming Jay Hawkins is the, the 
guy who wrote and sang put a spell on you? Did he did he actually write that? I don't know if he wrote it. Uh, I, what was it Nina Simone or I'm not I don't know. We're, well, we're, he did we're the out, most we're out, we're out of our depth. We're out of our depth. <laughs> but he but, yeah, but he did uh, maybe a cover of it. Um the most the, yeah, the big the the most well-known version of it, could we say? Yeah, and he screams during his performances. He lets off little hidden pyrotechnics with his fingers um and he makes faces and he has no over the top style mm. is a is he a piano man is a piano man i'm um, thinking I, I, I don't know he, he he has little um he has little uh, voodoo heads on sticks that he uses mm. so he has some like voodoo um paraphernalia with him on stage um and he was brilliant in it and that song put a spell on you Jarmusch used that song in Stranger Than Paradise for a really good tracking shot of the camera moving sideways along a derelict street, and it was really effective. And then in this film, he overused that massively, unfortunately. There were loads of tracking shots of them walking parallel, sideways shots of them walking along streets, and it was it was overdone. But was that not... Do you mean in, in, in one of the stories, or do you mean in all of the stories? In all of the stories in Mystery but, Train, that, that happened. But was that a way of like creating a parallel between all the stories and sort of hanging them together? Yeah, definitely. But it it wasn't it wasn't interesting to watch after a while, and it didn't have the impact that it had in his previous film when he had scream, screaming Jay Hawkins playing "I Put a Spell on You" over the top, mm-hmm. and it was really impactful. This was a bit more meandering. Meand- meandering is the is the word for this film, I think, isn't it? But yeah. um, navel gazing. Yeah, yeah. If we want to be harsh, yeah, defo. Well, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be harsh, actually. So what? <laughs> what did you want to? You wanted to say you wanted you said you wanted to do three favorite or something or two. I, I don't know what you were going to say. Yeah, favorite, two favorite things about the film. Go on. Um, so screaming Jay. The um, the the um, the telephone conversation that the Italian woman has at the the start of her story was the maybe the only bit where I laughed out loud. Why? Um, she shouts really loud and and speaks in a really like high pitched voice co- constantly throughout the conversation, and uh, yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing that I really like. Was it funny also because, like, Mr. Mam Pambiki? <laughs> Pambanki. Pambanki. He didn't yes. shout. No. So last last week I introduced a character from my life uh, who was a la- landlord for me when I lived on uh, Jubilee Drive called uh, John Pambanki, and he uh, he speaks a bit like Chris Eubank. Yeah. Um, w- was it also not funny because she... she... She didn't want to admit why she was going to be late returning to Rome, and that's because her husband had died on the flight. I didn't. I I was going to ask you why there was. A, I didn't. Why uh, there was a casket next to her? Is that is that yeah, what happened? That's what I guessed from it that he died. He died on on the plane, uh, but maybe not. Maybe she was repatriating the body or something. Otherwise, that's, yeah, yeah, that's why she yeah. It wasn't explained, was it? But yeah. So that and then, what was your third favorite thing? 
um, the I thought there was really nice shots of like diners, old cinemas, liquor stores, which I thought were really nice, like snapshots of um, America. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with those three things. Me and my friend Jack have like a, a constant ongoing conversation about The Sopranos and a, a running joke where we just end every chat saying, well, basically it's about America. Yeah. And uh, I think that um, this film is about America. Yeah, it is, but there's better films about America. Lost in America. That's not a better film. That's That's equally as bad as this film. Sorry, Jarmusch. Um, equal, equal. Wow. Okay. Right. Well, go on. Give us. Give me your. Have you All got right. three? Well, I know. I'd. I'd. I'd rather watch this than Lost in America any day. Mm-hmm. I'd say that. I'd say that because I'm getting something from the the, the aesthetics of the film from this mm-hmm. film. So three favorite things. Yeah, scream, screaming Jay Hawkins as the the concierge um, and his sidekick, who's a bellboy. Uh, little oh, facts, bit of facts about him. Go on. The brother of uh, Spike Lee. You're joking. True. Wow. I mean, he's he's got the same en- energy as Spike mm-hmm. Lee. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. That I like that. And I have to agree. The cinematography. Um, I liked that. I I loved that. In fact, I thought it was brilliant. And I can't even think of a third one. Maybe the way, maybe the way the Japanese guy lights his Zippo lighter with his by clicking his fingers. Yeah, yeah. and then um, Strummer and Strum- tries to do the same thing, doesn't he? Yeah, that was good because Strummer couldn't do it, and he's meant to be a, an actual rock star or punk, I should say. But even that is conjecture, isn't it? Whether Stromer was a real, whether his punk credentials were strong enough. Is that is is it? I mean, he was in the Clash. Yeah, I mean, the Sex Pistols had a lot to say about them not being uh, through and through punks. Yeah, that's just the Sex Pistols being irreverent, yeah, yeah. irreverent isn't it? The bloody Sex Pistols. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean. I'm struggling on this one because I really don't have that much, that much to say. That's on, all right. On, on on the matter. Well, why do I ask you about this? Yeah. Um, what do you think about the the song "Blue Moon"? Yeah, I, I like that bit. What bit did that take place in? Blue Moon uh, is like a motif throughout the film. It's, I think it's in each of the stories. The song "Blue Moon" by Elvis Presley. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I did. I, think... fi- I did. You know the way you took a nap. During the middle of um, Shadows in Paradise by Aki Kurismaki. Yeah. I didn't take a nap, but I found my mind wandering during this film. Right, okay. Well, yeah. you've got a lot, lot on your mind, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a busy week. It's been a that's what I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, not suggesting anything. What? what? Like what? Like, well, going back to the crimes or. Yeah, no, I mean. It's been uneventful in that sense. It's been more stuff to do with contracts, day jobs, diaries, really, you know, 
the the worst dullness of human life. This I've been meaning to say this to you. Um, I think with this podcast, uh, I think I, I think I'm retaining some humility in saying this. Yeah, I, I really think we're cap- capturing the zeit the zeitgeist. <laughs> what? Why? Um, because I watched a new dramedy series on um, Disney Plus called Fleischman is in Trouble. Okay. Starring um, Claire Danes, um, who's the lad from a social network. Oh, Zuckerberg. The actor. Yeah, the actor, yeah. Right, him, yeah. And it's all about um it's all about mid midlife. I mean So Would you say we're capturing the like geese with that? Yeah. I mean it's quite common for films and for drama for art to be made about age. I think it's Any very age. uh Twenty 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 three, yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad we're capturing that. Isn't cap- capturing the Zeke East also about? It captures the attention of the wider culture of that time. I think capturing the, 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 the Zeke East. Pu- I think capturing the Zeke. You know, as in listeners. I think capturing the Zeke Geist. Um, it's more about. Like, sort of having a finger on the pulse of the the cultural conversation, and at the moment, the cultural conversation, the midlife film catch up, and Fleischman is in trouble. It's yeah. all about it's all about midlife. So we, 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 yeah, I understand that, but it's not the Zeke Geist more about it, it's about that, but then the reward of that is the wider attention it comes to. In the, in the, in the public's in the public. Yeah, yeah. Well, like uh, the yeah. last episode, you know that 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 comes with. Uh, once people know that we're capturing the zeitgeist, yeah, then they'll be on board. They'll, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean that that yeah, okay, okay. So, um, well. Let's I mean, we, the... we we might we might be capturing the, the Zeke Geist, didn't it? Because we had, we had a write-in this week, didn't we, from a young man? This week? Yeah, didn't we have a write-in from a young man called Joe? Who said um... that... He said that Sam's story a few episodes ago about the sticky banisters reminded him about a story he has involving an adjustable spanner. So, Joe, please do write in again and tell us a bit more about that story about the adjustable spanner. Thank you for the writing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if anyone else wants to uh, write in correspondence, you can email yeah. us at filmcatchup at gmail dot com or comment on our Instagram page for, at filmcatchup. Yeah, we really appreciate the writings, folks. So please continue doing that, and thanks to thanks to Joe for that. Thanks, continue thanks to, to Joe. Con, continue to write in.
yeah, so let's move things along now. Mm-hmm. Ratings. Shoot. Some people, some people love ratings. Some people don't like ratings. It's a hot topic. Yeah, that's just the way things go. Sometimes, you know, it, it's an it's an accepted part of my culture. That's my lived experience. So mm. I don't know if I, it's a Zeke East. Might not be the Zeke East, but. <laughs> Um, it's part of my culture, so I hope you respect that. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, heading number one is... I've been away a week, so I've forgotten what my... Cinematography, which I, Cinematography. I, think, we've, I think we've covered that, haven't we? Well, yeah, I, I'm going to go... I mean, it's, a, it's, our, it's our good friend, a friend of ours, Robbie Muller. Big time, he yeah. keeps coming up. He can't keep he can't keep a good man down. Yeah, he can't. I mean, you got um, he did, he done Repo Man. Was it Paris, Texas? The other one. Yeah. I mean, the American stuff. friends, the American Fruit friends, corners. Fruit Corners. That it's just a bit of a reference. Joke. Fruit Corners, American friend. I have to Google that one. I have to Google that. So, um, oh, Muller. Muller, <laughs> yes, sorry, sorry, Sam. Um, so, uh, yeah, 10 out of 10 on the cinematography. Production value for money. Um, I'm going to give this one 2 out of 5 because um, because it cost, did you pay £3.49 for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What? on Amazon Prime and it was a 48 hour rental and what happened was that it got pretty close to the bone for me I watched half of it and then I left about 40 hours until I finished the second half so I nearly missed the window for the 48 hour rental so I nearly had to rent it twice which would have cost me £6.98 in which case it would have been, I would have given it zero out of five okay. of production value for me. But then I'd say I've given it one extra point there. Instead of giving it one out of five, I've given it two out of five because they did a lot on the budget for this film. And, um, you know, it looked beautiful. Look at the cast, Bashemi, Bracco, Sinclair Lee. Screaming yeah. Jay Hawkins. Yeah. Um, Joe Strummer. Strummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good cast. That's, that's a good, interesting cast, isn't it? It is, it is. It was a good cast. Tom Noonan, the tall guy from the film Manhunter. So, so is he the guy in a diner that speaks to the Italian woman? Yeah, he tells the tall tale in order to get to get some money out of her. A tall man uh, with yeah. a tall tale. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and then story. Oh, I'm going to give it... Um, I'm going to give it five out of... I'm going to give it six out of 20. Um, let, let me ask you this. When when did you finish watching it? I'm going to guess it was last night. Uh, I'm going to tell you it, I finished it on... I'm going to tell you the truth. I finished it on Wednesday night. 
so two nights ago. Okay, okay. Because I only well, watched it last night, and I, I something tells me that if when now that I'm going to let it percolate, mm. wow. I might it might um, go up in my estimations. That often happens with the films we watch on this, but I'm not I'm not getting the per I'm not getting that from this. It's not percolating. Nope. No. Would there, you say that? Be, um, yeah. Would you say that? Uh, what was your What was your example? Uh, would you say Tony Edmund is a film? Is like um, artisan coffee, um, pour over coffee, and Jim Jarmusch is like instant. Nest, what what what's what's pour over coffee? Uh, it's that? when it goes in that one of those sometimes like a glass. And it's in a cone, and it drips through the filter. Mm-hmm. Is that? Is it made with fresh coffee beans? Yeah, freshly, freshly ground. Freshly ground. Freshly ground. Um, yeah, I mean, you could. I, you know, I'd say that Jarmusch. Well, it's hard to say because I'd say Jarmusch is someone who would have the artisan coffee, not the instant coffee. True. I'd say. I'd say maybe some of the characters in his films would have maybe instant coffee. I mean, he did make a film called Coffee and Cigarettes, all he about did, coffee, which I've, a, not, uh, I've not seen. I've seen that one. That so that's got the white stripes in it. It's got a pop in it. Okay, it's, I'd, I'd definitely put it in the category of um, good, good Jamish. No, no mystery train rather than broken flowers. Oh, that's a shame. Do you know what this film made me want to watch? Uh, can you give me three guesses? Yeah. It's got an ensemble cast. I'll, I'll give you a few guesses. It's got an ensemble cast. It's an underdog story. Mystery Men. Yeah. Correct. So how did you know that? Um, when he said ensemble cast, and then I remembered that it's got the word mystery in the title. Yeah. I mean, I love the film Mystery Men. That might be because it reminds me of a, a, time, a certain time in my life. When I watched mm. it with I watched it with Barb's. Mm-hmm. It might be that, but I do love that film. Yeah, so under- I would describe it as a bad film. Really, and you're not the only person. Like a lot, it was it was a flop, a financial flop, box office bomb, but it's a clever film, a funny, a funny film. It's yeah. a funny, it's a funny film. I find it's got Ke- Keenan. Yeah. Or Kel, Kel in it, hasn't it? It's got Keenan or Kel from Keenan and Kel in it. It's got Hank Azaria, who I'm not that keen on, but he's in it. It's got William H. Macy. It's got what Ben Stiller. It's uh, got Jeffrey Rush. Jeff, Je- I mean, Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush is in it. It's got Janine Garalf- Garuffalo. Gar- Garuffalo, who is one of those actors that once you see her, you know who she is. Mm-hmm. It's got Paul Rubens in it. I mean, you know, great film. Is that Pee Wee? Pee Wee Herman, yeah. It's got Claire Falani in it. It's got Wes, Wes Studi in it. Um, and he's he's an indigenous American actor who is also in Heat. He's really good. It's got Tom Waits in it. I mean, yeah, Mystery, Men, Mystery Men is a film. But ensemble casts are like supergroups, aren't they? Rarely do some of their parts. 
but this one is. But this one is. Mm, okay. They were. They were. The chemistry is great. Um, yeah. I'm a, it, it, I'm a all, big, it also. Go on. I'm a big um, opponent of uh, ensemble casts. I think. I think that last. So that last Wes Anderson film. It was an ensemble cast. It was an anthology film. And it was. But, dog but shit. He, yeah, we're gonna have to bleep that. But he's. But he's another one who you've got good films and bad films that he makes mm. and it's yeah. not a linear thing filmmaking the learning you know you could you it's, it's not always going to increase in quality as you make things as you make art so what so when you so when you were talking earlier about um in a in a week watching film watching more than just the film that we cover in the podcast yeah this week i watched uh, the film Once Upon a Time in America. Um, the Jewish gangster one. Yeah. Sergio Leone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Almost the perfect film. And like, yeah. everything about it was different from this film. Yeah, it was. That's a great film, I think. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. What, why Definitely. did I just why did I just mention that? I don't know. We're just mentioning other films now, but this this <laughs> film this film also made me want to watch uh, Train to Busan, a zombie okay. film set on, set on a train. I've heard of that. Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard the title. So so you wanted to watch a lot of films with the titles with, that had the same words as the title of this film, Mystery or Train. Yeah, mm. and Train to Busan is a film that grabs you by the balls and doesn't let go until the credits. You, you can't even, you can't even stand up to go to the toilet. It's one of them. You can pause it. You can do that. Yeah, that that's, that's an option. Um, and, you know, the ensemble film, you don't like ensemble films, but I, I, I like ensemble. Was that a mosquito? Uh, I don't know what it was. Okay. I like, I like ensemble underdog films. Ensemble underdog films. Is that, yeah. is that, a, is that a genre? Yeah. Galaxy Quest. Have you seen Galaxy Quest? Uh, remind me. Um, team of actors working on a cheesy Star Trek type TV show. Real aliens mistake them for real people and they beam them up to their to space to help them fight the some opposing aliens no i don't i don't i'm not familiar with it again it's another cheesy comedy but an ensemble underdog dog story (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah yeah an ensemble underdog um film but i like those films you know i like i think there's i'm gonna say i, like I, think those films. Two, I think there's only two of those films i mean mighty ducks you like mighty ducks yeah it's not an ensemble cast though is it isn't isn't it a team of hockey players i think i think ensemble means big name actors doesn't it, it doesn't just mean a lot of actors i just thought every, it, i, I just film. thought i just thought it meant group i'm gonna google it ensemble I'm pretty sure ensemble is a lot of A-list or yeah, a lot of A-list actors. I think. I mean, I'm just I'm just going. I was 
I was talking about the French word ensemble. Ensemble. Yeah, it makes, I, I was, makes, yeah. makes things difficult. I think if you're going to... Yeah. I mean, I'm... I, I'm Throughout this podcast, I've used French words. It's nothing new. Yeah, but sometimes French words are used for different meanings in the English vernacular. Yeah, that that's called a false friend in grammatical. Really? In in linguistic terms, yeah, false friend. Would you describe Mr. Train as a false friend? In what way? Mm. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I would. Could I do. would. What do you I, think about I, it? I, yeah, I'd describe Jarmouche as a false friend. Um, like, he... He lets me down. He lets me down. And this, my my friend Craig has the same relationship with the guy who directed Pi, Darren Aaron Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Mm. False. He's been. He, he, he's. I think he he's just been let down so many times by him, and in 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 quite a, a strong reaction to him, he he really hated a lot of the films he's watched, but then he gives him another chance and then he slaps him in the face again. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, yeah, we all have, um, we all have false friends, don't we? I think Jarmouche is definitely a false friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and I think, well, Wes and yeah, Wes Anderson is a, is a, is another one of my false friends. And, yeah. uh, I, I mean, Rob, I've stopped, I've stopped Rob watching Tibbetts. his films and Rob, Rob Tibbetts. Tibbetts. Oh, I mean, he's a real friend. Why have you described Rob Tibbetts? Uh, it's just, it's gone. It, we're meeting up with a few friends back home uh, on Sunday, but he's gone on a family holiday in his caravan. Why does that make him a false friend? Going on a family family holiday with his family? Because he's not, you know, he's not meeting up with uh, those guy. Those guys, uh, Joe Stubbs is back from Australia. This weekend? Hmm. Are you meeting Joe Stubbs tonight? Sunday. Sunday. Um, well, I mean, Rob Tibbetts, has he bought like a jet ski or something? Uh, I think he's got a, a motorbike. That's it, a motorbike, yeah. Because he's on our Instagram, the film. Uh, Please write in, folks. Film catch up at Instagram.com. And... A bit confusing. And he and you know his photo came up, just said R Tibbets, and there was a photo of a motorbike on the back of a trailer outside his house. Tip, tipstagram, if you want to follow Rob Tibbets, is it? Tipstagram, yeah. Okay, well let's. Um, I mean, move. doesn't he? Isn't he working on the rigs? Is a is a crane driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this isn't the uh, Rob Tibbets catch up. It's um, ensemble. So Ensemble means together. Good. I've googled, I've googled it. Okay. Um, doesn't should have we to move? Be, it doesn't have should, to be A-listers. <laughs> should, should we move on to 1989 in our lives? Yeah, I'm going to have to um, do this one on the hoof. I've got. I've written. The other day, I just had a splurge of memories which I wrote down on my phone, and I'm going to have to pick the one that I think might be 1989. But yeah, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can do. I mean, 
mine are always quite sort of general. Um, 1989 would have been, I believe, the year that I started primary school. What did I say that last week? 1984, 1989. Yeah, you would have been five, so yeah. Mm. Yeah. Turning six. No, no, turning five. Yeah. Anyway, um, primary school. So class one was Mrs. McNicholas's class. Okay. Class two was Mrs. Grantham, oh, sorry, Miss Grantham's class. Class three and class four was Mr. Oh, Johnston. Are these, are you naming other classes that you weren't in? This is, or, this is how, this is how I went through primary school. Your progression. Mm-hmm. My progression. Okay. Mr. Johnston moved with us from class three to class four. I mean, this is very numerical for people listening. Okay. Um, well, so, it's not. It's you. You're just saying how you went up through the years. Yeah. So what I remember, what I remember about class one, Mrs. McNicholas's class, was that Mrs. McNicholas was very, very, very old. Yeah. Um, I remember right. once someone pooed themselves, um, and it left a stain on the carpet, which I believe was there for weeks or perhaps the rest of the year yeah um i I remember my first day crying a lot on my first day when my mum left me there yeah 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 yeah. um sorry how's what's her name mrs muck mrs mcnicholas how's that relate how's her being really old related to the poo and himself bit um no she didn't have the capacity to clean it up um no, it's just two, two, two separate um, things, two separate memories. Right, right, yeah, no worries, no worries. Yeah, that's fine. But um, I remember class one being of, I yeah, I don't know if I have. Okay, so so in, in class one, my Rambo, my my Rambo, yeah, my pet rabbit Rambo. I, I left school and um, I learnt that my pet rabbit Rambo had been put down, and at the time I said. That's that's probably the way that it should have gone. I I, pre- I preferred it to have been put down to have died of natural causes for some reason. Oh no, maybe it's the other way around. My pet rabbit died. Your first day of school, you came home and your rabbit. Sorry, first year died. of school. First year of school. You went to school in the morning. Rambo was alive. Mm. Came back home. Rambo being put down. Yeah, well, Ram- he was ill. It was. I remember he was ill, and it, he either got put down. I think he died of natural causes. So, oh, well, that's better than being put down. That's what I thought. Because I think I thought. I think I sort of thought of it as like the electric chair for um, pets being put down. You, but it's more like an injection, a lethal injection. Mm. Which one's better? That's the age-old question. Is it? Well, they say that, you know, a lethal injection can be... No one really knows what it's like for the person receiving it. To do, be people know what, do people know what the electric chair is like? I mean, it's, you can see pretty much what it's like. It's a lot of but, vibrating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the lethal injection, it's like a series... It's like three injections, I think. One of them for 
pain, one of them to paralyze you, one it so you know you, it could be awful. Mm. Could be uh, yeah. obviously obviously being put to death is an awful experience. Like can, is it safe to say that? Uh yeah, yeah, I think I don't think you're on controversial ground by saying that. Good. I don't wanna offend offend anyone. I mean that Rambo thing I mean, yeah, I mean, I went to, um, I'm I'm jumping ahead here, but I went to Tom Dowman's house when we lived in Winchester. And then I came back from Tom Dowman's house and our dog Lizzie had been put down. Uh, It's completely out of the blue. Yeah, the dog had collapsed and for the second time in a couple of years and the, 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 the vet said, they're, they're going to have a miserable life if they come back round after mm. this. Yeah. And was that lethal injection? Lethal, lethal injection as well. Yeah, I don't think they do the chair on pets. What, what, what um, breed of dog was? And what was the name of the dog? Yorkshire Terrier. I, th- I think I mentioned her last week. She had no teeth. Mm-hmm. We still gave her kibble, but she just used to crunch it with really hard gums. Her gums just went really hard. That's so, a shame. Yeah. Um, so. But what? So what are your um, what are your memories of nineteen eighty nine? The fall of the Berlin Wall. That might be one of them. I'm I don't know if that was in my. I don't know if I would have said that. I don't know if I would have remembered that. Right. Okay. How old were uh, you? Seven. So I'm not sure. I was following um, geopolitics. East, Eastern, yeah, Eastern European geopolitics. Uh, mm-hmm. At that stage, were you? Seven, um, 1992, the Olympics. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you, you, you stirred a memory with the, 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 the poo thing. Um, so we, um, at seven, I was at primary school and, and, uh, our classroom that year was in a, a container, converted, mm-hmm. converted. Chicken you know. shed. No, what are they call Ch- Shipping containers. Shipping container. Is that what they call them? Sh- mm. Or a chicken shed is a, is a shed for for chickens and maybe this is a, a shipping container and um, a temporary classroom basically. And yep. there was a boy who was very extrovert running around a lot. I can't remember his name, but he was, uh, he's kind of like a, a more, he's kind of like a young equivalent of Paul O, very topical this, mm. young equivalent of Paul O'Grady, but like, mm. with a bit less sarcasm, a bit more just like mad energy, mm. um, and a bit of, like to stir things up. But I remember he just, um, he, he used to love pulling people's pants down. In front of the class, did you call just, that? Um, did you call that debagging? Where you where you grew up? No, well, I don't think at that age we called it anything. And um, he, he and one day he got me, he debagged me, and I was wearing um, I was wearing Transformers Y fronts. Right, that's uh, all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it was just kind of funny. That's but was that, was that a source of you know did people. Take the mick out of you for having no, 
No, it was. It happened. It was all over within two seconds. Probably about six people saw it, if that. Um, it wasn't at the front of the class. It was between the desks. It was as I was taking my book up to check, check my answers. Do you think um, it maybe enhanced your reputation? Might have done. Might have done. Maybe. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So they were white Y fronts with red trim. And with a picture of like Optimus Prime or someone on the mm-hmm. on the groin area, the front area. That's what That's I remember. A, it's a statement, that isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. It's a statement. It's a statement. That's what. That's why it struck me. Uh, and that stirred another memory. Is that we did these le- in the same in that same classroom. We did uh, leaf rubbings onto foil. We we got leaves and we put foil on top and rubbed them, and then. Um, me and and classmate cleaned up at the end and um and I got a tiny piece of foil in my eye mm. and it stayed there all day and um and then we thought it was conjunctivitis because I used to get that quite regularly and um but then uh, my mum came to pick me up and then we went to a place in Liverpool called I think it was Mill Road Eye Hospital, or was, it, was that where I was born? The Mill Road Hospital. We went to an eye hospital. Uh, you were born, you born in been... an eye hospital? No, I think I was. I think it was Moorfields Eye Hospital. I think I was born in Mill Road Hospital, and um, yeah, and they, they, I always remember they got these like uh, wooden lolly stick, put it under my eyelid, and flipped, flipped the eyelid inside out jesus it didn't hurt at all it was just really weird and uh, they removed this tiny bit of foil and put some ointment in did you um know anyone growing up who could um like put their eyelid inside out that that didn't um i didn't see people do that till i was about 10 Mm. for some reason i just didn't see anyone young doing that no i think i went you know i think i went to like a obscure family friend's house one time and mm-hmm. someone did that that's i think that's my only memory of that what about you uh well norm norm was the only proponent of that that uh, i've ever known i think yeah um well i don't know whether he can still do it now um if he comes on the podcast maybe we can ask him that um, yeah release release some pictures of it maybe no norm could do that yeah not yeah yeah he did it semi-regularly was he, was he... Microdosing. Um, no, no. This was when he was very. You know, I, I would say this was between the ages of ten and twenty-three. Then it fell off a cliff. The, pardon. <laughs> that he was flipping the eyelids inside. Yeah, out. I don't think yeah. I saw him do it past the age of twenty-three. Then the practice of that fell off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Interesting. Um, I do, I do. I've got a memory written down. I'll keep it quick. Um, selling my WWF figures on the street. Oh so, right, yeah, like a yard sale kind of thing. Like a yard sale. So, um, so. Um, we had a green step ladder. I put that out on the pavement and stuck 
a white piece of paper on top and wrote on it for sale. Mm-hmm. And then I got out like a fold out table and put that on the street and put all my WWF toys in and the wrestling ring. And um, Dennis, who I've mentioned, who lived opposite with the Ford Fiesta, mm-hmm. he used to rev it loads. It would take him 10 minutes to park. He came, I, he, I think this is the only time I ever spoke to him. He came out of the house and he really wanted to buy the ladder. And I said to him, you know, the ladder is not for sale. That's more, that's advertising. That's to give me some height for my advert. Uh, but he really wanted the green ladder. And um, and a couple of times I had to rebuke him. And then he kind of scuttled off back into the house opposite. Do you think he was um, joking? No. Oh, no. no. No, definitely not joking. He was not a joking sort of guy, really. Um. And then uh, not much happened for two or three hours, which probably felt like all day to me at that point. And then some kind of plumber was driving past and he drove past and then the car stopped and then he reversed, came back. He got out of the van and he was like, are you selling all these? I was like, yeah. And he gave me something like 15 quid for the lot. I was really pleased. And um, he said, my son oh, the rest- these. Oh, right, okay. For the wrestling figures. So he gave me quite a bit of money for the figures and the ring, not for the ladder. And that was the start of my Wheeler dealing, which continues, you know. My friend Will Dickey says that I'm always refers to me as a Wheeler dealer and I am a I am a prolific eBayer. Mm-hmm. Um, did you miss those wrestling figures, though, it sounded like wrestling was quite um, an important feature yeah. to your, you and your brother's life when your brother was on the other week talking about. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, my timelines are mixed up, so I might have been a bit older when I sold them. Older, I might have been older than seven, so maybe at that point I was. I think I would have been happy with the money. I've done a lot of selling of stuff, and the only regret I've had selling stuff in the past has been guitars okay just like why did i sell that guitar at that time when sounds like a uh, yeah sounds like a jim jamush film yeah definitely and um yeah the thing the only things i've ever sold that i've missed guitars maybe a camera that i sold as well i was like i should have kept that yeah film camera it's, you, you've um, prompted another memory for me. I think so. So, nineteen eighty nine was a, was the year that the film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I remember at my grandma's house, I um, drew a massive banner, felt tip pencil and felt tip, the Wild Stallions, uh, which was Bill and Ted's band. Yeah. Um, and they spelt wild with a Y. It did. And my auntie my says, well, you spelled that wrong. She didn't get it. She didn't get it. She, I, don't you, think she'd you, you, I don't think she'd even seen it. Your grand, your grandma said that. My auntie Marge, who was of my grandma's generation, to be fair to her. Did that, that kind of thing hurts when you're young? Yeah, I was just like, you know, if you're going to say something, do your research. Yeah, that that's brought up a similarly traumatic memory for me involving Bill and Ted. 
Um, so this was Bogus Journey. So this was later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd said I was at my dad's house and um, we would go there roughly once a week when we were in Liverpool. And um, I'd said that I wanted to go to the cinema to watch Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And he didn't know what it was. Um, and then, I, I don't know, maybe he didn't want the hassle of taking me there or something to the cinema or or, 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 didn't, or something, I don't know. But then the advert came on telly that night for Bill and, T- and he, he, he watched the advert and I remember he, he just turned to me and did a kind of right and he said the word right kind of with a smile or something and a wry, smile. A, a wry smile but it, it kind of like I, I felt a bit de- a little bit devastated by it so he so what so he mm. was saying he was like questioning your taste in films. Yeah, yeah, and that that had only happened once before with um, a time I was sitting in his car, listening to my Walkman, and I was listening to The Simpsons sing the blues. Did you have? Oh that? yeah, I had that. Yeah, red red cover. Yeah, so I had that cassette, and um, and and then he probably was wondering why his son was just sitting there. It was probably a lack of connection going between both of us from both sides. And uh, so he said, can I have a listen? And for some reason, I think it was like the song towards on the second side, towards the end, where Marge, Marge sings like a solo song. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. Or it might be a love song between her and Homer. But I remember Marge was singing. So, and then he listened to that bit. And again, he kind of like went, right. And gave it back to me. And I remember thinking, oh, if only it wasn't the song that Marge was singing, he would have got it. Yeah. But of course, of course, he wouldn't have got it no matter what song was playing. Not not if it was, um, what's the one where Homer talks about a big. Born under a bad sign. Bad, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Or do the Bartman? No, I, I don't think he would have got. I don't think he would have got. There was just a gulf between us, and, and nothing was gonna. Yeah, we, we yeah. couldn't relate. We couldn't relate. Well, I mean, I, I don't think my auntie Marge ever went and watched um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Either. I mean, no, I, I, I don't think she did either. Why it's did... almost like. The older generations didn't have any desire to understand Bill and Ted. Us. No, I mean, you, there's two kinds of people, those who like Bill and Ted and those who don't. Mm. What was your, um, did you see the the film that came out recently? Yeah, I, I didn't, I thought we went to the <laughs> cinema to see it, actually. Right, okay. Didn't we? And you, and you were watching yeah. it, were you? You what? And you were watching it. When we went, yeah, I I did stay. I I was there, present, watching it with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? And uh, then you 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 turned to me in the middle of the film and just went, right. 
<laughs> I felt devastated. No, you, you didn't. But but I remember I I'd, I'd give that film seven out of ten, and I give it, it eight was just, out of, eight out of ten because they did it re- like a lot of reboots hmm. are the worst thing you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. But this got a lot of things right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was you know I couldn't. It's difficult to sort of extract that from you know your one's um, nostalgia for the characters yeah. and yeah, but yeah, um, but so, uh, I mean, as yeah, so when um, when Griff is listening to his music or wants to watch a film, you you know how to respond now, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I will definitely support him in. I, I and like I I re in his choices and I really look forward to if he if he enjoys films and I really look forward to going to cinema regularly with him. My mate Jimmy Cundle's going with his son for his ninth birthday to watch the Super Mario Brothers film. That sounds like a lot uh, of fun, great. That 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 that'll be a, a good laugh. Definitely. We're gonna have to keep this one really quick. What would you do as the protagonist of this film? We're a bit out of uh, a bit out of um, sequence here, aren't we? You definitely rusty. Um, have, who was the protagonist for you? Who are you going to choose? Probably um, Joe Strummer. Okay, what would you have done? Um, I probably would have just kind of maybe said no to that last drink. Gone and found uh, Lorraine Bracco's sister, and said, "Listen, yeah, let's give it another go." Um, yeah. And then yeah. we would have um, probably made a go of it in Mem- Memphis. She was going to go to a place called Na- Natchez. Yes, Natchez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but we would have. St- me and Lorraine Bracco's sister would have stayed in Memphis, um, and I would have probably got a band, got a band together, the, a, another version of the Mescaleros, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was that Strummer's later band. Yeah, um, and I think that would have been a perfect environment for m- me, Strummer. Defo, um, and can I just confirm for listeners, you mean Elizabeth Bracco, not Lorraine Bracco? Lorraine Bracco's sister. Is Elizabeth Bracco Lorraine Bracco's sister? I think so, yeah. Wowee, okay. And she was also in another film that I watched this week called uh, Trees Lounge. No way? Yeah, yeah. True fact. Was that, was that a good film? Fantastic film, yeah. Great, okay. Well, that that's good. Anything to add? No. Okay. Um, if I was the Japanese young man in this film, I would have done exactly what he did. <laughs> Do you know why? Because he went to see all the tu- tourist um, traps. Yeah, maybe you say it like that, but he visited Grace. He visited Graceland. He visited Sun Studios. 
they went to the home of Carl Perkins. They were planning to. Elvis. Well, oh, Graceland, they planning to get to, uh, Sorry, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I think so. Um, so I would have done... I probably would have just talked to my girlfriend a bit more because he was a bit quiet. That's what I was going to ask you. What did you think to their relationship? I think, I think it was funny because... Later on in the film, I don't know if it, in Stromer's section, they're talking about these quiet rock stars who hardly ever talk. And mm. Stromer, Stromer was the opposite of that. And this Japanese young man who was a music fan. Jun not an actual... was the character's name. Okay, great. So Jun's character, he although he was a music fan, he was much more of a rock star. He was quiet, moody, hardly talked. He had the quiff. He could he do the thing it. with the lighter. Yeah, exactly. So that that was good. I like that. But I would have I would have just talked to her a bit more because it would have been just more of a pleasant holiday. If... And she she was a big Elvis fan, and he was a big Carl Perkins fan. So Carl Perkins was like a sort of lived in Elvis's shadow a bit. I think he was around before Elvis, and they were both part of the Million Dollar Quartet. Right. Um, but obviously Elvis went on to much bigger things than pa- Carl Perkins. I mean, I only know I came to Carl Carl Perkins through Johnny Cash live at San Quentin. That record, he talks about him a lot in between songs. Uh And he's got a finger-picking style on the guitar, which is really distinctive Mm. on that that album. And I I really enjoy it. Um, That's all I know about him. Yeah. If you you saw yourself as... Would you would you see yourself as Carl Perkins or Elvis Presley? Per- Perkins. Mm, interesting. What about you? Um, probably Screaming Jay Hawkins. I didn't know that was an option. It wasn't. You, you sandbagged me then. Mm-hmm. I'm a false friend. <sighs> Definitely, yeah. I would have chose Screaming Jay Hawkins if that was an option. Right. So go on, speak me through what are we going to watch this week? What um, uh, film are we going to enjoy slightly less than the other films that we watch this week? Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, no, we have watched some cracking films on this. Yeah, yeah, we have. I think, except for Lost in America and Mystery Train. Um, right, so 1990 Gremlins 2, the new batch. Yeah, I've, uh, see, I've seen it. Seen it yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to include it, but it was. I'm just saying, it's a, it was a big, big year. You had Home Alone, Gremlins Two, The New Batch. Obviously, they're very obvious films. Two of the best films ever made. Yeah, definitely. But it's not that sort of podcast. Um, yeah, I, I would have maybe picked Days of Being Wild by One Car Y, but I've seen that. Um, I like some of his films. Um, I maybe would have picked a friend of ours, Aki Kurishmaki, the Match Factory Girl. Well, okay, the last of his uh, proletariat it's, trilogy. Exactly. Um, but I'm not sure where your heart is on Kurishmaki. Still, I think you liked him a little bit. Um, so the three films I've narrowed it down to which are all available 
um, streaming on a channel called Movie for anyone listening who wants to watch along, write in. You know, this podcast is recorded in real time, so do write in. Do let us know your thoughts. Yes, yes. Thanks to Joe, who writes in regularly. Liam sometimes writes in. Thank you, Liam. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three films. Mm -hmm. Film number one. We still haven't done Eric Romer, Romer, French director. Um, I offered up one of his films a few weeks ago. This one sounds quite similar. It's called The Tale of Springtime. Jean may have the keys to two apartments. She nevertheless feels as though she has nowhere to sleep. All Natasha wants is someone to share her Parisian flat where her father stays far too rarely. They meet one evening when they both feel particularly out of sorts and soon become inseparable. 7.6 out of 10. Movie rating. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that film was called A Tale of Springtime. Mm -hmm. Uh, Film number two. Sheltering Sky by Bernardo Bertolucci, starring uh, John Malkovich. In the hopes of rekindling their marriage, bohemian-American couple Port and Kit Moresby set off for North Africa in 1947. Intending to travel through Algeria in search of renewal and personal inspiration, they are instead tested to their limits by the emptiness and impassive cruelty of the desert. Wow. Okay, what's that one called? Sheltering Sky. The Sheltering Sky, and that is 7.5 out of 10 on Mubi. Okay. Um, Third film, directed by Jane Campion, is called An Angel at My Table. Afflicted with mental and emotional issues, Janet Frame grows up in an impoverished family and experiences numerous tragedies in her youth, including the deaths of her two siblings. Frame finds acclaim for her writing while in a mental institution, and her success helps her move on with her life. And this is based on a true story who was a woman whose unexpected win of a literary prize in 1951 saved her from having a forced lobotomy. Wow. So that's a true story. Powerful. Powerful. I mean, name another great film about lobotomies. Um, Starring Jack Nicholas. uh, One flew over. Sorry, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, not Jack Nicholas. Yeah, exactly. So we're on yeah. solid ground with that one. Anyway, every what... film, every film with a lobotomy is good. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. In my in my experience of one film, but this hasn't got a lobotomy in it. Well, she gets saved. Yeah, it doesn't actually. She gets saved from it. Teenage lobotomy by the Ramones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it works for songs as well, doesn't it? It does, it does. What are you feeling? Um, so we've got a French one, we've got an Australian one, and we've got an American one. Set right. in Africa. Right, yeah. Um, 
but that really doesn't make any difference to me. Good. Glad to hear that. Um, More power to you. I kind of zoned out a little bit when you're talking about the French one. I don't know if that's a sign of yeah, you zoned my out. interest. You zoned out on his last film that I read to you. Really? <laughs> yeah, you did. I, I, I have to admit, it doesn't. I can't remember you bringing up um, George Romero before. It's not George Romero, it's Eric Romer. Hmm. So you definitely zoned out at some point. Mm-hmm. So he's I, it, big big news, this guy, is he? Yeah, he's a big French director who made films about relationships. Okay, well, you know, we, we've talked about the fact that we've only exclusively, up until now, covered films by male directors. Yeah. Um, so I think out of those three... And it sounds like a, you know, with the lobotomy stuff, uh, sounds like a good film. Jane yeah. Campion's Angel at my table. I've only ever seen one Campion film. I'd like to see another one. Tried to yeah. get one last weekend, but it wasn't to be. No, we couldn't get it. Um, having said that, um, John Malkovich in a desert. It's got all the makings to be an absolute riot, that one as well. <laughs> Shot in the sky. <laughs> I mean, was was it a desert when he was in Conair? Was that a desert yeah. when they landed the plane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think being John Malkovich, you could describe that as an emotional desert, couldn't you? Yeah, definitely. So, what would you like to go for? Um, well, I'm, I'll, I'll, I would go for Angel at my table, but it's it's your choice. Um, the boatman's call. <sighs> the boatman, the boatman's call. I am the boatman. I am the spider boatman. What was that Vic and Bob thing? I am the spider. I am the water boatman. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I don't. I don't it sounds good. They, they did a Saturday night quiz show on BBC One where one of them was suspended on a wire screaming, I am the spider. <laughs> it only lasted a series, I think, or two. Um, so, So you have chosen... Correctly, and oh. yeah, yeah, we'll go for the Jane Campion. Brilliant. Okay, that's great. Could I ask you what the running time is? Yeah, and and I should have said the rating for that was is eight point two out of ten. Oh, so the, movie. the biggest of the three. Biggest of the three. Uh, it's one hundred and fifty-eight minutes. Um, okay, it's, it's, a long, still, it's a long. It's a long one. It's a long one. It's a long one. It's two hours thirty-eight minutes. It's Rated mature, yeah, mm. mature. Um, it's captioned in English and French. If you want to yeah. watch it with no, French th- subtitles, I, we don't. I don't think we need this much detail, but that okay. It, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Good, good, good. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think it looks good. It looks like a bit of a precursor to. Um, looks like they've been ripped off a little bit by that one with Jeffrey Rush, Shine. No, I've not seen. I've only, I think I've only ever seen two films by Jeffrey Rush. That's fine. That's fine. No, I, th- I mean we've, re- we've you've you've eaten a lot of cereal. We've ran out of steam a little bit here. I'm in a hot room, and the only thing I brought up with me was a cup of tea, which I finished an hour and a half ago. You're a hot man full of cereal. Are <laughs> we all? Are we am, all? I am. I am. Aren't we all? So I thought of a uh, closing Have quote. You? 
Yeah. Go on then. Talk to me. Beware of false friends. Be aware of false friends. Well, I said beware of false friends. Right. Light. No. No, not going there. Not going there.